Well, good afternoon and happy Monday, everybody. Hope you uh, hope you had a good weekend. Did you get out and uh, have some fun? Never lack of anything to do, I like to say here in the Cernia Lampton. Um, if you're watching this live, brrr, cold enough for you? <laughs> I'm not. I'm really not one to. I don't complain about the weather. I really don't. Because first of all, I chose to live in southwestern Ontario. And if you want the weather to change here in southwestern Ontario, just wait 30 minutes. It'll change. Uh, like, Because it's like minus 15 degrees right now. That's not even like wind chill factor. They were saying minus 29 out there, right? So uh, at this time, apparently snow squall warnings have ended. So that's good. I know my wife Jennifer drove to Petrolia this morning and the roads were clear. She took her time. Anyway, so, but uh, uh, the 402 is shut down, right? And uh, I think Highway 21 around Forest Way and uh, lots were shut down. Tow trucks were definitely busy for sure. Um, I know I got a report. Somebody texted me and said there was uh, the preferred towing compound. There wasn't a single tow truck in there. So that means that uh, they're out on the road pulling lots out of the ditches or Whoever knows. It still amazes me, though. I have to say, um, I went out yesterday, drove my son to work. How many people are still doing the speed limit and faster? Like, it, it at 10.30 on Sunday morning, there was snow all over the place, and it was slippery. I was going down Lampton Mall Road, and I, I bet you some guy went by me doing 70 in a little car. I don't understand. Where do you got to be? That's that important. Uh, so anyway, take it down. Take your time out there in this weather. Tis the season. And uh, we don't want anybody getting hurt. That's for sure. That's for sure. Do you read? I read a lot. What books do you read? I have a book right here that I use. One, I don't know if you can see this. 1,001 Ways to Confidence. See that? Every day I read out of this book. Everybody wants to be confident, but there are no shortcuts. Confidence comes through hard work, testing yourself, and not being afraid to fail. Amen to that. I just thought I'd share that with you. Uh, what did you do over the weekend? Uh, there was certainly lots going on. I know uh, we were out at Dancing with the Stars that happened on Saturday night. Um, that was for CCMF this year, Concerns for uh, Community Concerns for the Medically Fragile. It was uh, a, a, like a sold-out crowd. And fantastic dancing, of course. Um, even if you go, you know, I don't know if I'd be into that. I got to tell you, you watch that. And of course, I did it a couple years ago. So in doing it a couple years ago, um, I have a lot of respect for the people that get up and do the dancing. Let me tell you. It was quite an experience. And now I'm part of a, a family. That was two years ago. And then, uh, uh, but it was a good turnout. And that was fantastic. Again, for CCMF Sarnia this year, Eve Morgan puts that on. And uh, again, congratulations to the success of that. <clears throat> and my friend Harold Collins, who uh, he put on, was called Cernia Indie Night. So he was promoting independent music. And he did a fantastic job. They had it down at Theater 42 here in Cernia. Sold out crowd. Fantastic. It's not a huge venue, but it's not a small venue either. So it was just, it's a good size in there. And I uh, just wanted to say props to my friend Harold for pulling that off. Sold out independent music, and I know he's already talking about doing some more with it. So congratulations. It's nice to see, because we have a great local music scene here in Sarnia, and it's nice to see 
people getting out and supporting that. Local musicians, we have a lot of talent here in Sarnate, not just musicians, but but I'm speaking specifically to musicians. We have a lot of talent to music. <laughs> I'm having trouble talking. We have a lot of talented musicians here in Sarnia. And I think it's important that we get out and support the local musicians just as much as we support charities and, and everything else here. There's so much. I don't know you can't do everything, right? We talk about a lot of stuff here on the show every week, always asking for support. Nonprofits and charities, um, of course, money, right? I like to say I stole this from, I can't remember his name now. Zig Ziglar, I think, said, money isn't everything, but it is up there with oxygen. You kind of need it to live. <laughs> So how well you live, I guess, is is what you decide. So anyway, it's great to see that that happened. So Harold Collins, congratulations on Cernia Indie Night this past Saturday night as well. And uh, speaking of music, I don't know if you know, downtown Cernia, I enjoy downtown Cernia. There's there's uh, lots happening down there. There's there's It's been cleaned up over the years. I, I'll say it like that. There's you know, Of course, we had the theater down there, but we've got some local pubs down there. The Hog Bar is now down where the old Greenwood used to be, or if you go back in my day, Mr. Mike's Variety Club, that was a few years ago. <laughs> uh, but downstairs there, it's called the Hog Bar, and they got great stuff. It's all been redone in there, and they're having entertainment there on Fridays and Saturdays, and coming up this week, Blues Night, the Four Barrel Blues Band's going to be there. Um, I'm going to get there after the Sting game. Or no, there's no Sting Game Friday. It's Saturday and Sunday. So I, there you go. I can get there early because uh, it starts about 10 o'clock and the Four Barrel Blues Band, great group. I haven't seen them in a long time. So get out there and check out the Hogwarts. they got a great menu there as well. And uh, I enjoy getting out there and seeing the local musicians. So another way you can support local. Speaking of the Sarnia Sting, oh, boy, they are having a rough go this year, I got to say. But uh, they seem to be, you know, trading out and getting some uh, new picks in. So it looks like they're building to the future, right? But the season's not over. They certainly don't give up. Um, but they had a rough go again this weekend, although it looked good starting off um, for the Sarnia Sting on Friday as they took on the Erie Otters and come out ahead of that one uh, three to two, it was. And uh, yes, I see my guests all in there. Donna, you're all good, and Tana, you're good. So you can you can breathe now, Donna. <laughs> uh Three to two for the Sarnia Sting in that one. And we got a chance to catch up with Colton Cameron. Calvin Martin got the first goal in there, but then uh, Colton Cameron got two goals. And I think a lot of people had their fingers crossed for a hat trick, but it didn't quite come. But we were able to catch up with him post game. And uh, we're going to take a look at that interview right now. And then we'll be back. Post game with tonight's first star. Uh... Two goals, Colt Cameron. Talk to us about tonight's game. First of all, how big was that win for you guys? I think it was huge. I think we've been uh, struggling lately. Uh, we knew tonight, coming in tonight, that it was going to be a pretty packed crowd. Uh, so we really wanted to get the win tonight, and uh, it was big for our goalie Lammer. He's been he's been working hard lately, and uh, to be able to hold them off and get the win was awesome. Uh, you come out there, you, you miss a few games, you come back, you seem to be on fire out there. You, you had a couple really nice passes earlier in that second period, and then you come back and score two quick goals. Uh, what was going through your mind? Uh, I don't know. I guess it was just one of those nights where I was feeling it. Uh, Brad's really been working me hard uh, with my injury, so I think that helped a lot to, to get back into the flow uh, quickly. So You get excited when you get two goals, obviously, was the, uh, the hat trick in the back of the mind there. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think try not to get too greedy. Uh, 
be happy with the two goals. I was more focused on my plus minus in the third, trying to make sure I didn't get scored on and bail out uh, Lammer. So. Talk about confidence here. You guys have got a busy week ahead. Is this, is this the win that the Sting needs to, to kind of get back into building up their confidence and, and making things happen again? Yeah, for sure. And I think it all just started with uh, getting back to the systems in our defensive end and stopping on pucks. Our coaches have really been on that. And I think we had a, a pretty good start today. So uh, just try and start off, get, get a quick goal, and uh, be able to stick to defense and, and work hard. And now you mentioned Cameron Lemoore earlier. He got that win tonight. Looked pretty good doing it. Uh, I guess, how is it to play in a game when you know you got a, a guy back there playing like that? Uh, it's good. I mean, I think it gives you uh, more confidence to, to do things with the puck, uh, knowing that you know, maybe if you do turn it over, uh, he's there to bail you out. So, uh, yeah, he's been, he's been great for us lately. For, for you, obviously, you know, last year at the deadline, you pick up Cam, Mitch comes in February, kind of got kind of a bit of a numbers game. What is it like for you now going forward this season? That's a different situation. Uh, yeah, it's a lot different. I mean, uh, I've played a lot more, and with that comes higher expectations. So I think I had a bit of a rough start to the year uh, with those expectations, but now I've kind of settled in, uh, got my confidence back, and I'm uh, playing my game now. So. How, uh, you get the two points. Obviously, a lot nicer getting on that bus tomorrow to go up to Peterborough with the two points, and uh, the rest of the weekend here you got a couple of road games, Peterborough and Mississauga. Talk to us quickly about those two games. Uh, yeah, they're huge games. Uh, two teams, similar to us, we're all kind of, fighting for a playoff spot here and uh, you know with, with Windsor and Kitchener and even Erie all uh, within two or four points of us uh, these next couple games are going to be huge. It's being up, uh, up now. Are going to see more two-goal games going forward this season? Yeah. I know that goal against the Sioux, hopefully that opens the floodgates. I don't know, like I said earlier, I don't want to get too greedy. but. Uh, All right, once again, Colton Cameron joining us post-game after Friday night's game. Certainly smiling because he got the two goals in there. And uh, Cameron Lemur, their, their new goalie, uh, or new goalies, a recent goalie that was added to the team, uh, his first win as a goalie with the Serena Sting. So that was good for him. But then they would move on and have a tough weekend. They would head down to Peterborough, and the Peterborough Peets would take out the Serena Sting. Final score there of 6-3. to three. And then yesterday afternoon was looking like they might have had an opportunity, but the Mississauga Steelheads... Final score there in favor of them, three to two. So uh, definitely some struggles going on. There's a young team happening here, right? So the young team is uh, learning and trying to pick up some experience. We'll see what happens coming up this Saturday. We'll be back pregame and uh, intermission games, of course, myself and a very special guest that's going to be joining me, uh, which I'll be announcing tomorrow for sure. Uh, so you're going to want to check that out for sure. But get your tickets. Go to starting to find out where you can get all your tickets online and get them, get out there, have some fun and support local hockey. And uh, the passion returns to the Progressive Auto Sales Arena. Once again, this Saturday, the Niagara Ice Dogs uh, will take on the Sarnia Sting, Putt Drop 705, and then it's a back-to-back on the Sunday as well. Uh, Barry Colts are going to be in the house of the Sarnia Sting as well. All right. Well, as I said, lots of things happening in Sarnia, never lack of anything to do, and lots of organizations that we'd love to get here. And one we're going to, I'm excited actually to have them here. The Sarnia Special Olympics uh, is here in Sarnia, and they've got lots of activities going on there as well. And Tana Manchester, Tana Lecky Manchester is joining us here from the lobby. Hi, Tana. Tana Manchester. Just Tana Manchester. Lecky Manchester is my Facebook handle. Okay. All right. <laughs> Facebook handle. Right on. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank, thanks so much for being here. Um, I know who you are. You know, we run into each other often, but for those who don't know, let them, let them know who you are and what you do. 
Um, so my name is Tana Manchester. Um, I'm the community coordinator for Special Olympics Sarnia. So Special Olympics Sarnia is a 100% volunteer-based nonprofit organization. Um, we are committed to providing athletic opportunities for individuals with intellectual disabilities in the Sarnia Lambton area. Wow, that's a mouthful. Yeah. There's there's it, lots. It going, is. <laughs> there's lots. There's lots going on there. Yeah. What's uh, what got you involved? Um, well, my my daughter has an intellectual disability, um, and when she turned eleven, there wasn't really um, there wasn't any sports for her to participate in. There wasn't a lot of opportunities for her to be social, um, be part of a team. So, um, as a parent, I was frustrated and you know looking for something for her to do, yeah. um, and just happened you know things happened for a reason. I guess Special Olympics Ontario came in for an information night right when I was at that point of you know trying to figure out what I was going to do for my daughter. Right. Um, I went to the information night. I, you know, watched a video. Um, I talked to uh, the coordinators from head office and, you know, just listening to what their organization had to offer. I quickly realized this was something that I needed for my daughter. I wanted for my daughter and um, how wonderful it would be for our community. So, um, you know, I said, what can we do? They needed a coordinator. I said, okay, and, um, you know, kind of the rest is history. Um, I have, um, you know, wonderful family. I have a wonderful cousin that I brought with me to that night as well. And uh, my goal was to start up a basketball team and a soccer team so that my daughter would have something to do year round. Um, and she was my coach. And um, it's it snowballed from there. So we now offer eight different sports throughout Sarnia Lambton. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, we have basketball, swim. Swim we've had for about 10 years or so. Um, powerlifting, floor hockey, bowling, snowshoeing, soccer, and track and field. So we have a lot to offer for oh, wow. um, our athletes now. We have practices every night of the week pretty much. And um, different events. We have banquets. We have Christmas parties. We get out in the community and hold different events. So, it's it's been amazing. It's been an amazing experience for me, my daughter, um, and myself, and definitely for a lot of the other athletes as well. Yeah. Do you do you have a sports background yourself? Are you a sports person? Yeah. Well, I played I played baseball until I was about uh, till I was a teenager, I think, and I played hockey till I went away to high school. So, okay. I mean, I knew what it was like to be part of a team. Um, yeah. Hockey was awesome. I loved hockey. Um, it was a family. We went away on um, tournaments. And I mean, it was just a fun time, right? And just being active. Um, so I wanted that for her. And I mean, I had all these opportunities for my other typically developed daughter, but, you know, nothing for her in that regard. So um, when this came along, it was just, it was a perfect fit. And, and how old is your daughter now? She's 14. 14. Okay. So, and, and uh, this has obviously been great for her, but like you, you say, it's, this is a family thing too, right? And I, I don't just mean you and your family. I mean, for everybody who participates and gets involved, you've obviously got to have uh, uh, a lot of volunteers. Um, do, do you have a lot of uh, people participating or a lot of kids yeah, participating? For sure. So we have 103 registered athletes across all of our sports. Um, nice. Many of them do multiple sports, which is great. Um, but we also have over 70 registered volunteers. Um, and for the most part, um, we have one coach that's a dad, actually, that wanted okay. to do that. And that's awesome. The rest of our coaches are not parents, um, which is big, too, because it's nice for um, these parents to be able to just come sit and watch their kids play. Um, it's a little bit different parenting, you know, kids with special needs. So Certainly. Um, th this is awesome for them. Um, and then we have 
we have tons of people from our community. Um, my cousins were were great to kind of get the ball rolling um, for you know mid twenty year olds because they had so many. There's so many of their friends there that are involved in this, and they have been, and I think they will continue to be. Um, we also have tons of high school students that are involved, which I just love seeing. And this has had. That's great. I mean, I I can see the huge impact um, for our athletes. Um, because they're volunteers, but they're, be, they're they're friends as well. You know, it's not just oh, I'm volunteering to help this guy. It's they're friends. Um, yeah, and that's that's important. Like my own daughter, like at high school now, like she's in the spec ed class at St. Pat's, and but her and another girl, they go down to the cafeteria and they eat with some of the volunteers. But like I said, they're not just volunteers; they're their friends. friends. They're the same I'm, age. I'm glad they you brought that up because I think that's important. You know. Um, Inclusion. Uh, I'll, I'll just say, yeah, right. You know, I think yeah. a lot of times uh, when there's special needs involved, we tend to categorize. Is that the right word? Yeah, or separate sure. from yes. what we call the norm? Or, right. So it's been, so th this has not just been beneficial to your daughter, quite honestly. This has been beneficial to other uh, teenage children that have Absolutely. created these relationships as well. You you must have seen something positive come out of this in your daughter. Oh gosh, like yeah, when she started to get around that age, and and when my other daughter was having friends come over, you know, she would be upset and you know cross mm -hmm. her arm. She talks in third person, so um, she would say, "Emma want friend too. Um, Emma lonely." Right. And you know, as a parent, that breaks your heart because I can't just send her down the street to a friend's mm -hmm. house. Um, it has to be somebody that I trust, um, somebody that knows all her little quirks. And um, and now, I mean, we have people that live right down the road. This girl that goes to school with her, she it's a, they're a wonderful family, um, a wonderful friend to my daughter. They're the same yeah. age. And, you know, she comes over for sleepovers and Emma goes over to her house and I feel totally comfortable. And I don't think that would have happened without having this organization to help foster those types of relationships for sure. Yeah. So, well, I, yeah, I, I think it's important for people to understand that, you know, cause it, there's uh, there's more than just sports going on here, you know, and yes. I think one of the great things you and I both know, uh, um, uh, and I, I don't play a lot. Of, I don't play any sports, but um, <laughs> I've, I've been involved in the sports area. I've mm -hmm. seen that, uh, that familiness, if you will, there's something about the the belonging and being a part of something great, and and we all deserve that, right? Yeah, that's right. They just want what everybody else wants, and yeah, and even the families too. Um, you know, because all the parents are sitting around watching their kids, right? So just getting yeah. to know them, and you know, they understand what you're going through. They understand, um, you know, just all the all the stuff we deal with. And it's just nice to have people that, uh, you know, understand that. And I've formed some very close relationships with other parents and, you know, it's not, it's maybe not typical where, okay, our kids are going to go out. It's, you know, me and another mom and both our kids will go out bowling. We'll go out for supper and go bowling. And, sure. you know, you hang back as much as you can and you let them do their thing, but it's, it's nice to have people to do that with for sure. Yeah. Well, and good for you, like you say, to to, to be able to uh, have, the, I guess, that community, right, that supports yes. each other, um, and and uh, well, that's fantastic. What what uh, what kind of sports uh, is your daughter involved with? Does she play them all, or um, she just got pretty a few? much? She she does swim. We were just at a swim meet yesterday in London. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, she does swim. She does um, bowling soccer, track and field, basketball. She, she does most of them. She tried floor hockey. 
Um, it conflicted with dance though. So she, she chose <laughs> dance, but you know what? That's the thing right there. She has a choice now yes. before she didn't have a choice before there was not these opportunities for these kids to, you know, shine and, you know, do what they wanted to do. They had swim to do as a competitive sport and that was kind of it. Yeah. And I guess, uh, relieving for you as a parent, because I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, uh, uh, you had to deal with this your own way too. And oh my goodness, I, I, how am I going to, I'm not prepared for this. How do I deal with this? And to, to be able to uh, have something, I guess it's one of those things you don't think about until it happens to you, I guess. That's Does that right. make sense? Yeah. That's yeah. Why, why would you have to worry about that? Right. It's not something yeah. to think about when you, you know, get pregnant and are going to have kids. It's, you know, it's yeah. the furthest thing from your mind. So, I mean, when it happens, yeah, it's, it's tough sometimes, but mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of a lot of good comes out of all this stuff, and right. it's wonderful to meet all these people and um, to meet these athletes. I mean, the one word I would use to describe my experience and being around all these athletes and their families is, is joy. Like I don't, that would be the word to describe it all for me. That's actually. a great word. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, uh, before I let you go, I know you've got some special things that uh, the Special Olympic Sarnia is going to be hosting coming up. Yes, we are super excited. We're going to host our first basketball tournament here this weekend at St. Pat's High School, Saturday, January 26th. Um, we have teams from London, Tilsonburg, LaSalle um, coming down to compete. Um, nice. So we have a full day planned. It'll go from about 9 to around 3.30. Um, I am going to post the schedule on our Facebook page. So if anybody wants to come out and cheer on our teams, that would be great. Right. Um, and we're excited because we have traveled around uh, southwestern Ontario to different tournaments with our teams. But it's just nice to be home and um, have most of our team is coming, which is great. And their families and friends will be able to come out and cheer them on, too. So that's huge. Um, we have. I'm sorry, where is this going to be? At St. Pat's High School. At St. Pat's, right, okay. Yeah, so we have about 35 volunteers coming out to help with the day. Um, we've got some great um, event sponsors, Elite Core, Elite Core Performance Training and uh, Sentry Fire Protection um, for that day. And uh, it's it's going to be great. And um, we also have a swim provincial qualifier we're going to be hosting at the YMCA on March 23rd that we're super excited about. There'll be wow. about uh, 150 swimmers. Um, that one is a lot more um, volunteer intensive. Um, we'll have about 50 or 60 volunteers for that one. So um, it'll be it'll be really exciting because we do have some athletes um, that I have no doubt are going to qualify to move on to provincial games. Is that right? That's fantastic. Yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> well, uh, you'll have to keep us posted on that so we can uh, we can give shout outs to the qualifiers and everybody involved there and wish them all the best and Definitely. and. Uh, uh, Tana, thanks so much for uh, coming. I know it was a little last minute we were able to make this happen, so I appreciate you, yeah. you know, rearranging things to be here. Is there anything else you want to throw out there before I let you go? Um, well, if anybody would like to know more about Special Olympics Sarnia or want to um, volunteer or would like to participate and join, um, check us out on our Facebook page. It's just Special Olympics Sarnia, and yep. uh, you can message me. I, I'm the one that answers all the messages. So, yeah, if you want to okay. get involved in any way, contact me perfect tana thanks so much and uh all the best to your daughter and all this wonderful things that she's doing uh, in all the sports and uh we'll look forward to some updates from you down the road all right thanks so much dave you're welcome take care
Tana Manchester. I only have to say that. She gave me permission. Uh, that's fantastic to, to see that this organization is here and starting. It has been for quite some time, but we're seeing more and more of them. And I appreciate Tana coming on and talking about the Sarnia Special Olympics. Sounds like they're having a lot of fun and uh, good for the families. And everybody's just getting involved with that. And she said, if you want to get involved, Tana says, reach out to her on Facebook or you can go to the Sarnia Special Olympics page on Facebook as well. I'll be posting all the links about everybody we talk about and all the websites that we're going to be sharing and everything. We'll share it during the broadcast. We'll be sure to post it uh, after the broadcast as well so you can keep an eye out for that. All right. We'll talk about support. We all need some support at some time or another. And there's lots of choices and agencies out there. But today we're going to talk about one in particular, the Family Counseling Center. And the Family Counseling Center is also always needing volunteers. And I've got lots of great programs. And uh, Donna Martin is here to join us. How are you doing, Donna? Hey, Dave. I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. No, you're welcome. I'm glad you were able to make it and figure it out. I did with the help of one of my social service worker <laughs> students from the college. I always default to a younger person. Ah, uh, there you go. Well, here's the thing. Now that you've done it once, you're a pro. Yeah. You're able to come back. I'm good to go. <laughs> thanks. Donna, uh, again, thanks for being here. The Family Counseling Center uh, is quite a facility. Um, I was I was thrilled to have a tour the other day and kind of bring me up to date on what's going on. But um, tell everybody who you are, what you do around there. Okay, so Family Counseling Center runs about 20 different programs under this um, roof. And the two programs that I work for are the Distress Line and the Telcheck program. So I am the coordinator of both of those programs. I've been doing this work for about 24 years and um, have had the privilege to work with some pretty incredible um, volunteers who have kept both of these programs going for all this time. Yeah. Um, well, the distress line is pretty obvious about what that's about, but tell everybody, what's what's TelCheck? Okay, so the TelCheck program is an outbound call to seniors and people with disabilities who live alone. So mm -hmm. our volunteers go into a phone room and we have a database that has all of our client information that we, we need in there and we just start making phone calls. Our clients are isolated, they often don't have many supports, they're often struggling with lots of chronic issues. And if I might, I had a, I've got a story that I wouldn't mind sharing sure, with you. Yeah, it'll just kind of help to paint a picture of um, some of the clients that we deal with. So we had a 92-year-old woman who was living in a rural area, um, and she was, she'd been living independently for a long time. If you asked her, she would say that she'd been living stubbornly. Um, so we've been calling her on a daily basis, and um, you know she loved our calls, loved the volunteers. But eventually she started to experience some um, pretty significant health issues and lots of mobility issues. And she started to disclose to me that she was falling a lot. So she had help coming in to see her in the apartment. She had meals on wheels um, being delivered, but she wasn't sharing that information with anyone. But she um, developed a trust with me and a trust with the volunteers that she felt that she could open up to us. So when I questioned her more about it, she, she told me that she had fallen 10 times in one month. So with her permission, um, I called out to Community Care Access Centre, now known as the Lynn, and asked if they could go in and do an assessment. So they did, they, they went in, they assessed her, and saw that she qualified some, for some additional services. So those were put into place, and she was 
able to continue to um, live in her apartment. But then eventually it was just getting worse and worse. And she shared that with me and she was becoming more depressed and um, more lethargic. I could hear mm. it in the, her voice. She, she lost that vibrancy. And so mm. one day she was talking to me and she said, you know what, Donna, if it wasn't for you, the volunteers and my cats, I would take all these pills today and just finish it. She said, I'm just ready to go. Wow. So obviously that caused me quite a lot of concern. So um, we talked more about that and she was willing to give me permission again to reach out to um, some professional supports and get them put into place right away. So we connected, I mean, she was connected with Lifeline. She had um, community care access, Lambton Elderly Outreach helped her with transportation. Um, but it was it was becoming more evident that she wasn't going to be able to live on her own. So right. um, we got her connected with um, a private retirement home. I got shine on shine at home connected with her. They went in, they helped her with her sorting and her packing, helped her to get moved. And um, we had to say goodbye to her. So she moved into the retirement facility. And from what I know today, she's doing extremely well because she's socially connected. She's got the nutrition, hydration. She's got people around her. And so we don't have to worry about her anymore. So that's kind of one of our success stories. And yeah. when, we're, when our volunteers are doing this work, we sometimes get to know the client's and their situation better than the professionals that they're connected with and sometimes sure. better than their family because they feel safer to tell us about how they're really doing. Right. Because there's always that fear that, you know, if I tell my family that I'm not doing very well, that they're going to force me to go into a nursing home and I'm not ready. Yeah. Cause we all want to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there is a time, um, sure. but um, I, I think the movement that we have today is to help keep seniors living in their home independently as long as we can. Certainly. And the other cool connection with the Telchat program is that when our clients are struggling, so for example, this particular client, um, if she was having a tough time in the middle of the night or any of our clients, they know that they can call the same volunteers um, who do the work on the distress line. So they right. can also reach out to us when they're struggling. And so it's a, a really nice kind of um, combination of the two programs. It's a comfort thing too, right? Like our peace of mind or, you know, I, I and I guess, uh, and I sort of said this uh, earlier to Tana when I was talking, it's again, one of those things that you maybe don't think about until you need it. Yeah. Um, and one of the things about that. Uh, and being involved in, in it a little bit is um, uh, how how much awareness is out there for this program and 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 the distress line and um, do people know about it? Well, um, with the distress line, I think a lot of people do know about us, and I, I do want to do a shout out to our generous Sarnia Lambton community for continuing to provide some uh, financial support to the United Way, because without the United Way of Sarnia Lambton, right. Lambton, the distress line would cease to exist. They've been supporting us for over 45 years. That's fantastic. And then, yeah, with the Telcheck program, it's been funded um, by the Ministry of Health. 
So we don't have a lot of marketing dollars, but we certainly get referrals through word of mouth. The professionals in our community know about the distress line and will refer clients. Um, With the Telcheck program, we've been at capacity for a very long time. And we were very fortunate recently with the... um, the city and county applying to receive the age-friendly status, which they just um, yep. got recently. Um, Anita Tressler from Lambton Public Health was very involved in that, and she applied for one of six grants that were being offered. There were health and well-being um, grants through uh, the Ministry of Health and Long-Term Care. So our grant proposal was accepted and um, there are a few projects that we're working on um, to provide extra support to seniors and um, to make Sarnia Lambton more accessible. But um, the Telcheck program was very fortunate to receive a good sum of money so that we can now begin to um, spend more time and effort into recruiting volunteers so that we can then manage more clients and um, to market the program as well. I've never had to market it because we've always been able to maintain um, an average of about between 80 and 85 calls um, per day being made by our volunteers. So I was looking at our statistics and last year um, we made just over 30,000 outbound calls. And so, yeah, and that's about $4,000 higher than the prior year or for 4,000 calls prior than um, prior to the previous year. year. Um, And that's because we, as soon as we received the grant, we started opening our doors to, to more clients. Um, But unfortunately, for the first time in 24 years, we've had to put a cap. So we just started a a wait list. I've got two people on it, and I'm hoping it's not going to last very long because we desperately need the volunteers to uh, maintain the program. Yeah, well, I I guess that was sort of leading to my next question. Uh, This is volunteer-based, and is this all run out of the, the office there? Where you're at? Yeah, it's, um, our volunteers work out of a phone room, and then I do the coordinating from the Family Counseling Center office. And we can offer um, different hours. And because of this additional funding, we're now able to split the job opportunities. So in the past, all of our volunteers have had to go through quite an extensive training program to do yeah. both distress line and the towel check work. So it's about 34 hours. We run a training two nights a week for four weeks, three mm-hmm. hours each night. Actually, I'm, I'm starting a, a new training on February 4th, if anyone's interested. Um, but now what we're able to do is separate it and offer to individuals in our community. And we're hoping to reach out or reach the retirement community um, so that they can come in and have a one-day training and the work they do is primarily just making the telcheck call. So they don't have to do the crisis work. Okay. Well, there's certainly a lot going on there. Uh, a lot of moving parts with what you're, you're putting out there, but it sounds it sounds like it's, it's having successes. But yes. um, like you say, you can never have enough volunteers, I guess, right? So Yeah, lots um, of challenges with that. Yeah. yeah, so if anyone is, you know, for those of you who are listening, if you're interested in volunteering for the Distress Line or the Telcheck program or both, um, you know, certainly give me a shout at Family Counseling Centre. The number is 336 
0120 extension 251. I'm hosting an information session tonight at 6.30. If you want to come out and find out more, um, then certainly call me to register so I can give you directions on uh, how to find us. Um, but it's the work that our volunteers do is very rewarding. And um, they, they'll tell me that it's like talking to one of their grandparents. Um, we talk about recipes, we talk about um, TV shows, we talk about travel, um, you know, a lot of our clients emigrated um, to Canada many, many years ago, so they have an opportunity to share that story as well. Yeah, and a lot of times, like I say, it's just, it's knowing somebody's there, that I can mm -hmm. just, I need to just talk to somebody, I need to vent, I need to just to have a conversation and some company might uh, even be as simple as that, right? So Yeah, absolutely. Our role is to listen. Um, mm -hmm. Often there's, you know, when we have a story to share, the people are lining up to give us all kinds of advice. The people that call us on the distress line, they don't want advice. We believe that they have that kind of inherent strength to figure their way out of the predicament that they found them in. So we give them lots of time to, um, to just vent and sure. share their story and then per perhaps and hopefully come up with their own solutions. Yeah. Well, Donna, this has been very informative. I, I appreciate you. Uh, you're making your way on here. Um, I'm going to move on here in a moment, but is okay. there anything else you wanted to put out there before we, before I let you go that we didn't cover? Um, well, just one thing for people who might know of someone that would um, kind of fit into the, the demographic of our clients, just know that not only is it reassurance to the client themselves, but it's reassurance for their families because they know that someone's right. checking in with them every day. Good point. Good point. Okay. Donna, thank you so much. I appreciate you being here and uh, sharing all that information. And, and again, folks, we'll share uh, this information after the broadcast is over. And I know we're going to be hearing more about Family uh, Counseling Center on a regular basis. So yeah. thanks, thanks again, so Donna. Much. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Anytime. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye now. Donna Martin from Family Counseling Center, uh, talking about distress line and telcheck. It's nice to know these services are out there. One of the reasons I like uh, having that on here is that this might not be something that you need right now, but there will maybe come that time, and it's good to know about these things, so it's important. So Family Counseling Center, uh, you can find them on Facebook, and uh, again, we'll share the links after the show. All right, when I say pandas... What do you think about? Well, obviously, you think about those cute, cuddly little panda bears. But that's not what this pandas is about. This is pandas disease. And Carrie Henriksen from pandas is going to come on here right now. I'll bring her out of the lobby and join us. Hello, Carrie. Thanks for being here. Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Um, yeah, pandas, right? That's what usually what we think about when we say pandas. Have you heard of pandas disease? Oh, what's that about? <laughs> Mm -hmm. tell, tell everybody what it is. I, I, I'm sure you know it by heart, but it's there's a lot of big words in there for me. Yes, there are. So it stands for Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorder Associated with Streptococcal Infections. So what's happening when somebody's diagnosed with PANDAS is they've learned that um, after post um infection, so post a strep infection, what happens is the child will start to uh, um exhibit some behaviors that are associated with this condition. And it's a result of the faulty antibodies from that infection right. are um, simply put attacking a, a portion of the brain, the basal ganglia portion of the brain that controls 
movement and emotion and other things. So it can look a lot like mm. uh, mental illness and um, several other things, but it's um, um, that's a, essentially what's happening. So it's inflammation in the brain that's causing these symptoms in these children. Right. And uh, this is very personal to you uh, because you have three children that have pandas. Is that right? I do. I do. I have three children who um, have been diagnosed and have been treated for several years now and are doing are doing quite well. That's mm -hmm. fantastic. But this is a pretty rare thing, is it not? Um, I wouldn't say that it's a rare condition. However, it's rarely diagnosed. Okay. Mm -hmm. Explain what you mean by that. Well, they estimate that as many as one in two ch 200 children may be affected um, by these conditions, pandas and pans. So okay. that's, you know, that's almost equivalent to juvenile diabetes, um, right. some juvenile cancers. So it's really not um, as rare as some people would think. But it's often misdiagnosed, mm -hmm. as you mentioned. Um, is So this is uh, something new to the medical world or, or what's that? Because you and I, I know we probably met about this about maybe three years ago, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's been quite a bit of progress as far as awareness goes, or is there still a long way to go? Um, my answer would be yes to both of those questions. So there certainly has been a lot of progress over the last um, few years since we last spoke, um, but there is a really, really long way to go. Um, and not just in the public, right? In the medical world. As in the medical world, doctors when it comes, being aware, right? Absolutely. So not just in terms of research and understanding the condition, but also just in awareness among our medical professionals. Um, a lot of them still are unaware how prevalent this condition is, and that there are treatments available that are successful now. But certainly, um, just widespread, there's a, a huge lack of awareness, a huge lack of services and support for this population. Um, of families. And yes, so there's a lot of work to be done, for sure. So what, what, um, I mean, there's obvious reasons why you got involved in all this, but um, what's, what's being done, I guess, uh, to create that awareness? Uh, I, I know we got a special documentary we're going to talk about, but as far as in the medical world, um, and making doctors aware, like, you must have come across a, a, a lot of struggles when dealing with doctors, I guess, in the beginning of this, I would think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think on average, a lot of families, when they do come across this information, they probably visit anywhere from three to five doctors, sometimes more, before they can find somebody who is knowledgeable in, in these conditions and able to assess a child and treat them. And mm -hmm. it's extremely frustrating, you know, after you've been dealing with a child who's suffering and especially if you've been on the wrong road for a certain period of time and then you find something that you think is the right answer and you found something that is treatable and something that, that they can heal from and that they can get better from. And then when you just have doors slammed in your face, mm -hmm. which is what it really feels like over and over again when you don't have somebody willing to um, just even talk about this or, or look into this, it's, it's extremely um, traumatizing for the families that go through this. Yeah. Um, well, we all just want to help our children. And mm -hmm. when you want to help them and you, you feel you probably felt helpless at times. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. My, my I did. child's suffering and there's nothing I can do. So mm -hmm. um, how, how have you been? How have you been overcoming that? Especially so, with three? Yeah, I mean, 
building the support network that um, that I started with Pandas Pans Ontario was really key. I had found support in different networks um, throughout the United States before we started Pandas Ontario here, but certainly um, the peer support that you find in the other families who are going through mm-hmm. this is essential to being able to get through this um, because there really is no other services available. Um, and I would say that the way anybody overcomes anything when it comes to pandas is um, because of the parents. Um, We do have a few champion physicians who have been researching this and really pushing education and awareness across um, North America over the last several years, but there's very few of them. So it takes a long time to make an impact. But I would say that it's been the parents who have really driven this whole, um, this whole thing, this whole um, awareness any education yeah. that's been done, especially in Canada, has been driven by the parents who have children suffering from this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you mentioned the word education in there. Um, what about that as far as, like, your children are all in school, I take it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, how, how about dealing with the, the – the, how do the teachers deal with it? Um, again, the parents do a lot of um, advocating. The school boards locally here have been really – um, supportive and have had us out to um, various meetings to do some educating and such. And they've also been really supportive of any events that we host um, in terms of uh, conferences and educational events um, in spreading the word among their teachers and staff. So that they've been really supportive. Um, but again, you know, as an organization, um, myself or other volunteers often go in and um support the families um, in school meetings and such just to to provide that extra piece of advocacy for them to help their team understand what is happening with pandas and and the best ways to accommodate them and and to um, help them within the school setting. So, but again, it usually is up to the parents to do the educating at this point. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you've got some. So are there, are there many parents in, in the Sarnia area that are dealing with this? Mm-hmm. We do have um, definitely a network of families across Sarnia Lambton. And um, I guess um, the efforts from these families um, in terms of wanting to help to start um, hosting more events and providing more awareness and education across our community is starting to grow. So we're actually going mm-hmm. to be meeting in just a couple of weeks' time to um, get together to discuss some planning um, and um, service options for our area. So we're certainly looking for volunteers and anybody who's interested in coming out to help with that in our area, we're, you're more than welcome to get in touch with us through the, our website or through um, uh, our telephone number that's listed on all of our social media and uh, come, on out, come on out and join us and, and learn more about it. And, and um, if you have something you'd like to offer or contribute to our upcoming events, we'd love to hear from them. Yeah, fantastic. Well, mm-hmm. there is something exciting happening, or I guess it's sort of already happened, uh, the, the documentary that you're going to talk about now. Yes. So we have been really fortunate to be involved um, with this documentary called Stolen Childhood. The filmmakers based out of Toronto um, started this journey when they were inspired by a family um, local to the Chatham-Kent area and their story and uh, their journey with pandas. So they, you know, they just, they decided to start this documentary and it, um, I I know they found it was an incredible journey as well as every parent who was involved and every family who was involved with the making of it. So we spent a lot of time over the last year 
um, putting this together. Um, us, you know, not as much as the filmmakers have done by any means, um, but we certainly did enjoy getting, um, being able to participate in some of the filming and just consulting with them and partnering with them in um, the promotion of the film. And um, it's just been an incredible experience. It's well, we've um, got, uh, one of the associate, the associate producer, Jennifer Davis is out there and, and she's saying that she's basically saying, thank you for being here. Um, so uh, how long, how long did this take to put together? Like when, from like start to finish, you know, were you involved from the beginning or did you um, have to do it? That would be, maybe Jennifer will, will comment there, um, but a better question for her um, since she uh, was an associate producer. Um, I just came in when they approached me and asked if um, our organization would like to be involved um, in consulting and, and helping uh, to get this okay. off the ground. Um, but it was about um, a year ago, um, to the day, I think, when they started uh, filming the families who are involved with my organization. Um, so it's, it was about a year in the making um, from my point of view. But again, right. better better asked. Um, Jen if, uh, Jennifer, if you're watching uh, still, if you want to join us on camera, just let me know and I can send you a link. You can join us on camera if you want to talk more about it with us. <laughs> uh, that's an open door uh, invite yeah. there. Um, awesome. I know that, so, I know that, um, um, so you're, you're in this movie, right? Um, yes. Uh, my family, my children and I did talk a little bit about our story and we talked, um, there is some footage of um, me at some of our Pandas Pans Ontario events as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, we did um, we did share a little bit of our story and what we've gone through, as well as um, several other families. So the film, um, you know, it does a really really good job. They they interviewed several doctors as well, doctors who are treating this, doctors who um, spoke to the the research aspect of this, and it, it just does a really good job of educating about the disorders as well as talking about the uh, the impact on the families and particularly the impact on the families of um, hitting so many roadblocks um, on their way to finding care for their children yeah mm -hmm. what um, can you describe uh, some of the uh, behavior I guess that comes from this and and uh, how you've had how you've dealt with it I guess from the behavior from the children um, and how I've personally dealt with it. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, what kind of things happen, I guess, to, just to kind of paint a picture of, of, of people who are still trying to understand what, what mm -hmm. this is? So usually what will happen is a parent is going to notice a really sudden, um, and sometimes it might not be feel like sudden because some of these things have been there before, but at, at least a sudden worsening of um behaviors and right. oftentimes what happens is the parents can remember the exact moment or the day when their child either you know woke up or came home from school or came home from a friend's house just completely changed so suddenly yeah. exhibiting um, really extreme OCD type behaviors um, eating restriction so um, you okay. know just like an eating disorder picture um, ticks so um, mm -hmm body movements and Tourette's type um, movements yeah. and uh, severe separation anxiety. It can be severe sleeping issues, sensory processing disorder issues. Sometimes um, um, there's actual neurological impact as well. So um, decline in academic skills, um, mathematics, fine motor skills. So a lot of times you'll see a, a severe deterioration in their handwriting. 
right. it affects their um it can affect them in terms of um, having urinary frequency or, or sudden daytime bedwetting ac accidents. These things, that portion of the brain controls so much when it comes to behavior and emotions. So right, I mean, right. you can see a lot of emotional changes as well, not just anxiety and um, OCD type behaviors, but often angry and outbursts and just the really highs right. and lows that, that so you know, like, and you're just, your kid is not who they used to be is, is really right. the bottom line. Mm -hmm. I guess that's where, um, cause we know our kids, right? Mm -hmm. Even if they don't think we do, we know our kids. Um, and I guess that's where, and all those things you described, I guess where someone who doesn't know our children, like a doctor that, mm -hmm. um, could easily, I guess, misdiagnose, you know, based on some of those things you described, you know, it just sounds like, sounds like some kids just having a bad day or, mm. or, or, or whining about having to do homework or I'm not hungry or whatever that looks like. Right. So is that, is that part of the problem in there to, because of, of, of the effects that you see? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, I think, a lot of things that contribute to this issue of misdiagnosis and, and this condition getting missed, but that's certainly one of them. It's a really long list of symptoms. So mm. unless, you know, you have that in front of you and you're looking at all of these different things to kind of build that picture, in addition to kind of doing an assessment to determine if there was a recent infection that could have um, triggered this, Um it's certainly very difficult and yeah. certainly parents are often going to bring their child to their doctor to just address the most pressing issue and maybe not even speaking about all of these other things. Mm. So it's a difficult diagnosis, um, but there's a lot of help out there. There's been a lot of recent research and publications over the last few years. There's a website called the Pandas Physicians Network out of the United States um, governed by um, medical professionals and it, it's a, an amazing website pandasppn.org and um, it's it's a great resource for, for physicians to learn how to go about diagnosing and, and even screening for this and treating okay. as well right mm -hmm. um, and I guess so the other difficult part of the diagnosis which originally I guess is as a parent being able to recognize these things and being able to mm -hmm. go something's not right here. Um, how quickly were you able to pick up on that or, or did it take some time or, or when did it all first come about for, for you to know that this was going on? Um, I mean, we're going back to 2011 when my son, mm -hmm. um, he woke up having um, severe OCD out of right. nowhere. He had never really exhibited those types of behaviors at all before. Um, I think because of my background in social work and working with children over uh, many years, I had already kind of had this on my radar that he was a little bit more of an anxious child. There were some just some red flags there for me that, you know, situations that had come up that had already led me to seek out care. Um, however, when he woke up that morning and what he was doing was repeating the same question over and over and over again, so so much so that he you know, he couldn't even if you couldn't answer him enough and you couldn't answer him in the right way. He couldn't move from one place to the next. Like he was just mm. so incredibly stuck um, in these moments and he couldn't function. And it was distressing enough that absolutely I, I got on the phone to, you know, St. Clair Child and Youth Services and Pathways where at places I had already contacted and said, you know, something's happening, happening. Something's something is right, not right. This, this has is, gotten mm. much, 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 much worse. worse. Yeah. And, and we, we needed... We needed 
to, to um, um, get, get a bit of an echo. <laughs> wondering what that, that's oh, hang on. something that's, I did. There you go. No, there you go. That's probably better. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, Sorry, so, go ahead. No, I just, you know, it, enough so that that, I mean, it's, it's very obvious to the parent. And if the doctor who's been following the family for years has a hard time um, recognizing this and seeing this, we often recommend to our families to take video of the child um, mm -hmm. and bring that in if that's not helping. Um, it's, um, it's a, it can be a real struggle for sure for families. And, and it was for us as well. It took us about um, a year of just treating the symptoms before we had even heard of pandas. And then another year, year and a half um, of seeing many doctors before I could find someone who would even consider uh, like just assessing him for it. So, right. mm -hmm. And I guess too, um, so you have three children that have pandas. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously after the first one, when you, had more children you were keeping an eye out for this in, in advance of their birth is that right or no um so jonah my son who was first um sick and diagnosed uh, he's my middle child so i have an older daughter and a younger daughter as well okay. and absolutely while i was looking for treatment for my son i was kind of i mean it gets you thinking it gets you almost overthinking everything and yeah, right. certainly i was looking at different behaviors and situations that were happening with my other daughter and um and and her I guess deterioration wasn't as sudden as it was for my son, but it did happen. And luckily by that time though, we had already found our physician and, and she was able to treat her as well. But it's, um, you know, after you watch one child fall ill with something like this and to watch the other two do the same thing, it's just, it's very devastating. It's, it's unimaginable to think about how you're going to do this again and then again. And to keep doing that and to do that without the support um, and knowledge from, you know, local agencies and other um, support services that are there for other families dealing with other issues. It's, it, it can be a quite lonely place for families for sure. Right. Well, it sounds like you're, you're changing that or you're working on changing that anyway. And, mm -hmm. and it's, it's nice to see the progress that you've had. And uh, this documentary can, can people, uh, still watch this online or where can they see it? So we just finished up um, a week of online viewing with a, a UK um, international online showcase festival. So okay. that was another opportunity that people had to view the film, which was fantastic. Um, we're hoping that more opportunities like this will come up. They're currently um, circulating the film to different festival festivals. And um, okay. so at this point, the only way to view the film is um, through one of those, or if you would like to organize a screening in your area, the film crew is more than willing to work with you on doing that. So that's one of the things that we do hope to do here in Sarnia Lambton very soon. Okay. Um, so just to keep an eye out for those. Um, so, um, so let's, let's, let's uh, right here now, Carrie, let's make that mm -hmm. happen. Mm -hmm. and, and I'd like you to reach out to me and keep me in the loop of that. And we'll do whatever we can to promote it out there. Absolutely. Uh, make sure people know about it and we'll get it, people out to watch it. And uh, if there's even after that, if there's a link online that people can go and, and purchase it or whatever that looks like, mm -hmm. make sure you let me know. I want I, I think it's important to get that out there. 
I will. Um, they, they have a fantastic Facebook page, Stolen Childhood. So if you want to yep. go there and follow their page, they keep they do a great job of keeping you up to date. Um, what's happening with the film, what's happening with um, um, a campaign that they have created called It's Time um, is something else I wanted to mention. So it's just sure. um, it's a wonderful campaign that they've come up with to help um, really just create a really big push globally for more awareness and research and um, just support for these families. Um, so you can learn more about that there through their Facebook page as well. I'm looking at it right now. I've looked at it before, but uh, mm -hmm. yes, I'll, I'll, I'll stay in touch and on top of that. And Jennifer Davis, if you're still listening or watching out there, send me a Facebook friend request. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I want to thank you so much, Carrie, for uh, taking the time to come on here. I know it is very important to you and has been for some mm -hmm. time. And I appreciate you sharing uh, your story. Um, keep it up. You're doing great. Thank you. Thank we'll, you for having we'll, me. Anytime. Doors wide open here. You enjoy the rest of your day, Carrie. Okay. You too, Dave. Carrie Hendrickson, uh, Pandas Pans, Ontario, and locally here. She's advocating. Uh, it's quite a story there. And I'd be surprised if you've ever heard of it before. And obviously, um, personal to her. So, Carrie, thanks for sharing that. And the documentary that she talked about, Stolen Childhood, go up to their Facebook page. Again, I'll post all the links. I'm on there right now. But... Uh, I'll post all the links as soon as we're done here today, right? So thanks again, uh, Carrie, for being on here. All right. Wow. Boy, the time flies when we're having a good time. Yes, Jennifer, please do. <laughs> it's that time. And uh, I got to get ready for my next show, which is later on tonight. I'll be on Twitch. That's right. Tonight is Father versus Son Night, where I take off the tie and uh, my son and I go on Twitch and while well, we play video games, and he usually beats me. But I've found a game that I'm pretty good at. Uh, we played last week, and we're having a lot of fun. And then uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday night, 8 o'clock Eastern, I'm on Twitch uh, talking Twitch talk, everything to do with Twitch. And I encourage you to check out Twitch. It's not just about video games. There are talk shows. There are people painting. Uh, there's people playing music. Uh, there's, there's, Twitch has opened up the categories. If there's a category that you like, it's probably there from talk shows to, anyway, you get the point. So check that out. And if you're not busy, check us out tonight, twitch.tv slash davburrows. I'll post that link there as well. And uh, again, that's every Monday, Tuesday, I am on Twitch having a good time. Wow. I just can't believe that it's over. <laughs> uh, I want to say thank you once again to my guests for joining me. Um, of course, we uh, started off with, Tan at Manchester talking about Sarnia Special Olympics and some special events that they've got going on and a great organization here in Sarnia. Donna Martin from Family Counseling Center talking about Telcheck and the distress line. And then, of course, once again, uh, my friend Carrie Henriksen talking to us about Pandas Pans and, of course, Stolen Childhood, the documentary that is now being released. And Jennifer says she's going to get a hold of me. So that's fantastic. All right, everybody. Well, that's all the time I got for you this week. Have a great week and an even better weekend. I will see you next time right here on the show. Bye for now.